We'll continue our study on baptism, the New Testament circumcision. Page 884 in the back of your songbooks, Lord's Day 27. Study together a summary or read together a summary of what the Bible teaches. On what power does baptism have and who should be baptized? And then we'll read from Acts 16. Lord's Day 27. Does this outward washing with water itself wash away sins? No. Only Jesus Christ's blood and the Holy Spirit cleanse us from all sins. Why then does the Holy Spirit call baptism the water of rebirth and the washing away of sins? God has good reason for these words. To begin with, he wants to teach us that the blood and spirit of Christ take away our sins just as water removes dirt from the body. But more importantly, he wants to assure us by this divine pledge and sign that we are as truly washed of our sins spiritually as our bodies are washed with water physically. Should infants also be baptized? Yes. Infants as well as adults are included in God's covenant and people. And they no less than adults are promised deliverance from sin through Christ's blood and the Holy Spirit who works faith. And therefore, by baptism, the sign of the covenant, they too should be incorporated into the Christian church and distinguished from the children of unbelievers. This was done in the Old Testament by circumcision, which was replaced in the New Testament by baptism. Then let's turn in our Bibles to Acts 16. The household baptisms, Lydia and the Philippian jailer, Acts 16 Page 1099. Acts 16. The Timothy, Paul, and Silas come to Philippi, a leading city of the district of Macedonia. Verse 13, and on the, Sabbath, on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized, and her household as well, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, or if you have judged me to be a believer in the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. could be translated either way, judge me to be faithful, or judge me to be a believer in the Lord. And then a little later in the passage, verses 25 through 34, 25 through 34. Next page. About midnight, so Paul and Silas get thrown into prison in Philippi because they cast out a demon. 
When somebody gets upset about that, the owner of the demon-possessed person gets upset. So they're thrown into prison. And about midnight, verse 25, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds, and he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them, and he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. This is God's word, and... May he strengthen our faith and see the grace of his covenant. <clears throat> Brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, why do we baptize babies? That's the subject that we want to look at this afternoon. Should infants also be baptized? What does the Bible say? That's the main issue. What does the Bible say? Should infants also be baptized? And the answer is yes, certainly. And there should really be no controversy about this because the teaching is clear in the Bible. But of course, not everybody agrees with this. In fact, some feel the Bible is very clear that only believers should be baptized. Only believers. That's why it's important for us to take a close look at this teaching this afternoon that the children of believers also should be baptized. Because infants as well as adults are included in God's covenant and God's people, we confess in 74. And they no less than adults are promised deliverance from sin through Christ's blood and the Holy Spirit who works faith and therefore by baptism, the sign of the covenant, they too should be incorporated into the Christian church and distinguished from the children of unbelievers. So Christian, your family belongs to the Lord by covenant. Christian, your household belongs to the Lord by covenant. We want to see three things. Baptism is not only for believers, but for their households too. It's for their households too. Secondly, salvation is in Christ alone, not in baptism. Thirdly, the church is not only for believers, but for their households too. Baptism is for households too. We have examples, brothers and sisters, of three household baptisms in the New Testament. Four, if you add the family of Cornelius, but three expressly stated household baptisms in the New Testament. There's the household of Lydia, the household of the Philippian jailer, and then in 1 Corinthians 1, the household of Stephanus. Lydia, 
the Philippian jailer, and Stephanus. Now, I'm sure that Lydia was not the only one in her household who believed the day the gospel came to her house. And I'm sure that the jailer was not the only one in his household who believed the day the gospel came to his house. But only their faith, Lydia and the jailer, are expressly mentioned. The Lord opened Lydia's heart. Acts 16, verse 15. And then she says to Paul, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, or the translation could be to be a believer in the Lord. If you've judged me to be faithful or to be a believer, a person of faith, come and stay with us. Yet not only she was baptized, though only her faith is expressly mentioned, her household was baptized as well. And you see the same with the Philippian jailer. Even though other members of his household may have come to faith that day, we see that Paul spoke the word to the jailer and all who were in his house. Only his faith is mentioned. You see that in verse 31. Paul and Silas say to the jailer, you believe, singular. You believe in the Lord Jesus. And you, singular, will be saved. And then he adds, you and your household. You believe. And then verse 34 says the same. Then he, the jailer, brought them up into his house. And he set food before them, Paul and Silas and Timothy. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he, see that? He had believed in God. Not all translations put it this way, but the ESV is closest to the original Greek text here. Only his faith is spoken of, like Lydia, but his whole family is baptized. And it says, and he was baptized at once, he and all his family, or he and all who were his, who belonged to him, who were under his authority. Why? Because God deals with households as a unit. And when at least one of the parents is a believer, the whole family belongs to the Lord by covenant. When at least one of the parents is a believer, the whole household belongs to the Lord by covenant. When one or both of the parents is a believer, that household becomes a covenant household, a Christian family, a household of salvation, a household of faith. That's what Paul and Silas said to the Philippian jailer, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. If he would believe, his whole household would become a household of salvation, separated unto God, set apart from the world. as a household of God. Now we gotta be careful here. We know that not everyone in such a household ends up being saved. But that household is now identified as a Christian family. 
One day they were a family that belonged to pagan temple. Next day they were a family that started charter members of the Philippian church. Amazing. A family identified by the gospel of salvation. It's it's not like the believing parents belong to the kingdom of God and the children belong to the kingdom of darkness. No, they are together included in God's covenant and God's people. That's why 1 Corinthians 7 verse 14 says that if only one parent is a believer in Christ, his or her children are holy to the Lord. What a huge encouragement for a single parent. If only one parent is a believer in Christ, or for a household where only one of the parents is a Christian, the other is not. Then my faith identifies my children as holy, set apart for the Lord, a place where his word and his power is present. Parents, you got to put a lot of confidence in the power of the gospel, the power of Christ, to reach into your children's life. Though sometimes it may seem like such a stretch. And that's also why in Luke 19, Jesus said to Zacchaeus, when Zacchaeus repented of his life of greed and theft, and he believed in Jesus, Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house. Salvation marked the home. And that's also why when believing parents brought their little children to Jesus, their nursing infants, and the disciples tried to stop them, Jesus was indignant and he called them to him. And he said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. And he took them in his arms and he laid his hands on them and he blessed them. And he said, to such belongs the kingdom of God. Kingdom, kids. Wow. And that's why Paul tells Christian parents in Ephesians 6, bring up your children in the instruction and discipline of the Lord. And children, obey your parents in the Lord. Children, you are in the Lord. You're in the Lord by covenant. You're in covenant with God through Christ. You're rich. You're very rich. Make much of that. But maybe you say, no, no, no. The New Testament clearly says repent and be baptized. That teaches credo baptism. Only believers should be baptized. You repent and believe first and then you're baptized. Doesn't it say that? And babies can't do that. But not so fast. That's true for people coming newly into the Christian faith. Repent and be baptized. Repent and believe first and then be baptized. But then your household must be baptized also with you. And then for the little ones, it works the other way around. Be baptized. And then as you grow up, repent and believe. 
live up to your baptism. That's the way it worked with Abraham and Isaac, right? For him, it was repent and be circumcised. Believe and be circumcised. Because he was entering into the covenant community as an adult. But for his son Isaac, it worked the other way around. Abraham was circumcised at age 100 and Isaac at eight days. And for him, it was be circumcised and repent and believe. And the new covenant, it worked the same way. Repent and believe for the ones newly coming into the covenant. And then their households joined in with them. God said to Abraham, I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for what? An everlasting covenant. To be God to you and your children, your offspring after you. It's an everlasting covenant. The covenant with Abraham continues in the New Testament. And the sign of the old covenant circumcision has the same meaning, exact same meaning as the sign of the new covenant baptism. Cutting off of sin, gift of new life in Christ. They both mean the same thing. And both are administered to believers and their households. And so we can say in all the new covenant, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Baptism is for households of believers, believers and their households. At the same time, we know, brothers and sisters, that salvation for believers and their household is found only in Christ, found in Christ alone. That's what we want to look at secondly. Because baptism is not a regenerating or a converting ordinance. Baptism cannot save you. It's not a magical moment in which the water washes away the original sin of the baby a magical moment in which the child is saved. We don't presume a child is regenerate or saved or elect because he or she is baptized. Of course not. We do not believe that every child who's baptized automatically goes to heaven. We do not baptize babies because they're cute and innocent or to get some good family photos. That's not why. None of the above. Our catechism states the truth of Scripture so clearly. Does this outward washing with water itself wash away sins? No. No. Only Jesus Christ's blood and the Holy Spirit cleans us from all sins. So the Bible says, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. It's for the jailer's household too. Bible says if you confess your sins, God will forgive you and your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. The Bible says that we're justified by faith in Jesus. We're not justified by baptism. The Bible says that unless you're born again by the Spirit, you can't enter the kingdom of God. The baptized too, the babies who are baptized, must believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. First, they must be regenerated by the Holy Spirit. 
believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, confess their sins to God for forgiveness, be justified by faith. Let's never teach our kids to put their confidence in the rite of baptism. Sometimes parents have treated their children that way. Oh, they're in the covenant. We don't have to worry about parenting them. Leave them alone and they'll come home. Passive parenting is not what baptism is about. It's the opposite. Dear son, dear daughter, God came to you when you were so little with his promises. He said, I am your God. You're my child. I gave you Christ. I give you forgiveness. I give you the Holy Spirit. Now, child, take him at his word. Take hold of those promises. And then they'll become real personally in your life. Because salvation is in Christ alone, child. Though everyone in a Christian household is or should be marked as belonging to a saved household, each member of that household must personally believe in and rest upon Jesus Christ and personally repent of his or her sins in order to be saved. Let's not trust in the water but in Jesus and the water is given to point us away from itself to Jesus Christ who washes away our sins. And gives us a new life. So brothers and sisters, the water of baptism doesn't have the power to save you. The water of baptism has the same power in a child as it does in someone who was baptized an adult. What's that power? The water of baptism has the same power in a child who's baptized as it does in someone who's baptized as an adult. What's that power? Witnessing power. It witnesses to you what God has done for you in Christ, what God has promised you in Christ. That's the power of baptism. It's a witness. It's a testimony. It's a message. It's a picture to point you to Christ, to lead you to the source of your salvation. You know this illustration like a billboard. Baptism is like a billboard that you see in a hot day. There it is, a cold Coke sweating in ice and a jar in ice and a, and a bottle in ice. And that billboard will do nothing to quench your thirst. If you climb up a ladder and go and lick that, it will not quench your thirst. But it's powerful as a sign that if you go down to that store, turn in and buy that Coke, your thirst will be quenched. What do you mean the billboard has no power? Of course it does. It just doesn't have the power to quench your thirst. But it has the power to direct you to the source of quenching your thirst. So Christ has given us the sign of baptism. Tell believers, the billboard, this is where you go. Trust in Christ personally. Drink from him. To receive personally 
all that he has promised in his covenant. So even though people abuse the sacraments in both the Old and New Testaments and use them out of custom or superstition, let's be thankful for baptism, that billboard. It's powerful. Let's be thankful for it. What a testimony from God. Let's use it well. May the sign drive us to the reality. Think of that. Our children struggle with sin and guilt. They struggle with temptation. They struggle with doubt. They struggle with loneliness. They struggle with worry. They struggle with so many things. And we can say, grab your baptism or the meaning of it. Didn't Jesus personally promise you forgiveness? Let's ask him for that. Didn't he promise you the spirit to overpower Satan's temptation? Let's pray for that. Every time the temptation comes, let's pray again. Let's seek his strength. Didn't he promise to be your prophet and teacher when you doubt? Let's trust that promise and go to his word to be instructed. Didn't he promise to be with you always so when you're lonely, run to him? He's got everything you need. He is the one you need. Go to him. Let's see, thirdly, children are part of the church. Households are to be baptized. The salvation of households is in Christ alone. And children are part of the church in the Bible. And that's another line of evidence that we find in the New Testament that children of believers still belong to the church like they did in the Old Covenant. Imagine, it'd be very strange if after thousands of years of Old Testament history where children belong to God's household, suddenly they're excluded. Hey, you guys are out now. That'd be strange. It's even stranger when you consider that the New Covenant is more inclusive, not less. It includes the nations now. And even stranger yet, if the children are suddenly excluded and there's no controversy in the pages of the New Testament about it at all, no whisper of it at all, you'd think there'd be somewhat of a backlash. It's not whispered because it wasn't an issue. Didn't happen. Children were part of the covenant community in the new as in the old. If there's a controversy in the new covenant, and there is, it's whether the sign of circumcision should be required of the Gentiles, not whether the children should be included. So you find that the children are addressed in the letters of Ephesians and Colossians as members of the congregation, members of the saints and faithful. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Oh, I guess they're part of the church, aren't they? For this is right. They're members of the covenant community who owe their allegiance to Christ 
They have a place in the body of Christ and under the blessing of his hand. And they should not be turned away. They should not be turned away as unworthy of a place in the church. For who is worthy of that? That's why it's important for us, dear parents, to take our children to church for worship. They belong. I know the children. It can be difficult to get them on board with that and to learn to sit, to learn to listen. They get nothing out of it. Oh, oh, they're a lot smarter than we think, right? Aren't we often surprised at what they can pick up on? Don't assume they get nothing out of it. Maybe we don't sometimes because we're so busy having them sit quietly. It's worth the effort. It teaches them you belong. And it glorifies God and recognizes what he says. You belong. You belong. And also in terms of church life, we should make it our serious desire to see our children connected with the communion of the saints through Bible studies, catechism, youth group, teen club. It's not that we can or even should do absolutely everything that's possible to do because then we might be run off our feet, but we should be really concerned that they're tightly, deeply connected to the body of Christ. We do not want them to find their fellowship in the world. And they will if they don't find it in the church. Now that's not always easy. There are those social struggles, spiritual struggles in church life. But as parents, we have to be very directive in pushing that. There are parents who say, you know what? I direct you till you're 12, and after that, you're on your own. You figure it out. It's a long ways away from what good old Joshua said. For me in my house, we will serve the Lord. I will be directive. I know there gets to be an age when they become adults where they are on their own. But 12? Just when the battle is about to begin for earnest for the souls of our kids? We're going to say, you're, you're on your own? No. No, we bring them to church and through prayer and by faith, we do what we can to help them find their place and their connections in the body of Christ. Again, it's not always easy. Each one has his or her own challenge, but they need to be encouraged and helped in this challenge. And part of this incorporation in the church, we also take on together when at baptism we vow that we will pray for the child together and we will consider them part of our own family and we'll look out for them also when they wander. 
Do you, the people of the Lord, promise to receive this child in love? Pray for him or her? Help care for his or her instruction in the faith and encourage them? Sustain them in the fellowship of believers? We do. God helping us. Brothers and sisters, Let's respond to the graciousness of God to give his covenant to our little ones and the graciousness of Christ to take babies in his arms and bless them. Let's respond and say, yes, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Let's make much of their place in God's covenant and church and kingdom. And let's be like those parents who took, long ago took their babies to Jesus and say, our children, Lord, in faith and prayer, we now devote to thee. Let them thy covenant mercies share and thy salvation see. Such helpless babes thou didst embrace while dwelling here below. To us and ours, O God of grace, the same compassion show. Amen. Our Father, we thank you that You are the God who covenants with believers and their households. We're truly rich as singles and families in Christ. What a privilege to grow up with the oracles of God. A privilege to grow up with baptism, the billboard of God's rich promises. All in Christ. Give us faith. Give us patience as parents, grandparents. Give us persistence in leading our little ones to Christ. And as we proclaim Christ to them by bringing them to church, but also in their lives at home and at school, we pray that you would do your mighty work in them to open their hearts to the gospel so that the promises that you have made to them may become real in their lives in a very personal way. Oh Lord, hear our prayer, for we come to you in Jesus' name. Amen.